Welcome to Morden, a town just southwest of Winnipeg and home to about 8,500 people. I've been pretty excited to do this episode, as it's definitely brought out my inner kid. I, like a lot of other kids, grew up loving dinosaurs and other prehistoric animals. I remember having countless books and movies about them, and being so fascinated with the fact that these huge animals once lived here on Earth. My brother and I would watch, and still watch, Jurassic Park on repeat. We loved the movie We're Back and read books like Dinotopia or Dinosaurs Before Dark. For our birthday, we'd go on little dino digs. I, there's a quote from a paleontologist. Um, I, I love this quote, and she says, I hear that paleontologists are just kids who've never grown up. And I think that's so true. It's I so true. I've never heard of a paleontologist who was like, oh, I never really liked it when I was young. No. I just kind of, you know, I've, like, I, I've talked to everyone, and it's like, yeah, I've been fascinating fascinated by, by paleontology ever since I've and I'm no exception, so yeah. it's kind of funny. It's just really... I'm interviewing Victoria Markstrom. She is the Field and Collections Manager at the Canadian Fossil Discovery Centre in Morden. I'm Megan Curtinson, and you're listening to Manitoba Landmarks. The Canadian Fossil Discovery Centre is a museum in the basement of the Morden Rec Centre. The museum tells the story of the Western Interior Seaway, which stretched from the Arctic Ocean to the Gulf of Mexico. Morden changed my perspective on the flat prairies. As I drove back to the city, I looked around at the golden canola fields that span on either side of the highway and tried to picture the fact that this expanse was once underwater. And not just water, but home to sea creatures. Fish that were over six meters long, giant turtles the size of cars, and a giant squid that grew up to 10 meters long. Um, and this uh, seaway was home to a lot of different animals, um, mm-hmm. you know, very large uh, aquatic animals, um, uh, plesiosaurs, mosasaurs, sea turtles, sharks, fish, squid, all those kinds of animals are found in Manitoba. It's cool to think like you're out on the prairies and it's this big expanse of space and you just imagine these huge animals, these huge creatures swimming and it's just kind of of ridiculous. Yeah, it's, it's pretty... Uh, awe-inspiring, yeah. Could you imagine being around to see that? Yeah, like, right? Like, and yeah, so it, it's just, it's kind of crazy to think of that there were animals that big and that, yeah. you know, colossal and just, just roaming swimming around. around, like it, where we're sitting right now, right? you know, up above us, there would have been, you know, mosasaurs and plesiosaurs swimming around. Not wow. to mention, like, gigantic fish and <laughs> yeah. looking sharks and stuff like that, so. This is an ancient story. This is a story about sea creatures. So, and, and most people don't know that um, and uh, marine reptiles and dinosaurs are actually two separate groups. They're okay. Not, uh, they're not the same. Okay. Uh, so uh, dinosaurs are completely terrestrial animals and we don't have them in Manitoba. Okay. Uh, because we were covered underneath the west, the western interior seaway. Right. So dinosaurs weren't living here. Uh, these creatures, mosasaurs, plesiosaurs, uh, sea turtles are uh, what's called marine reptiles and I've been throwing this term around. Uh, but marine reptiles are, are a group of reptiles that were once terrestrial animals. So they one time lived on land. Okay. And then they went back into the ocean really so they were so, so they kind of like whales did mm-hmm. um so they they went back into the ocean uh to exploit that habitat and so their skeleton adapted 
uh, for wow. that for that change. And that's why we, as paleontologists, distinguish a difference between dinosaurs and marine reptiles. Okay. See, and everyone I talk to about like coming out here, they're like, yeah, the dinosaur place. And I was like, yeah, like totally, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's a dinosaur place. But no, yeah. that's no, a myth. It's, it's not. Yeah, it's not dinosaurs. And uh, the the thing is that I always say like, if you're gonna learn one thing <laughs> yeah. about uh, coming through our museum, it's that you know. Marine reptiles are, are different than dinosaurs. If that's um, your takeaway. <laughs> if that's your takeaway, then, then I'm happy. Uh, also, that it's really awesome that they're, that they that we have this and, and yeah. that we have this evidence in, in Manitoba. And people really, they don't really realize that. Victoria was an advisor for a children's book called Dinosaurs of the Deep by Larry Versaud. The book tells the story of the museum, and in the book, it talks about the difference between marine reptiles and dinosaurs. So let's bash this myth once and for all. Marine reptiles are aquatic animals. They had flippers or fins. Some laid eggs like crocodiles and others had live births like whales. They are mostly carnivores and their closest modern relative today are crocodiles. Dinosaurs lived on the land. They usually had four limbs with their legs directly below their hips. They were mostly egg layers and were mixed of carnivores, herbivores, and omnivores. Their closest modern relative are birds. Paleontology is the study of ancient organisms. It's okay. a really, really general term. Yeah. Um, and uh, and studying specifically fossils. Okay. Fossils being the remains of organisms, any any living thing right. um, being preserved over time for us to find okay. and study. Um, so it's a very broad field. Let's start at the beginning. What do we know so far? Manitoba is underwater and a part of the Western Interior Seaway. And we are home to giant aquatic reptiles. We are in the Mesozoic era, which includes the Triassic, Jurassic, and Cretaceous period. Marine reptiles and dinosaurs appeared in the Triassic period, which was 252 million years ago, and disappeared in the Cretaceous period, which was about 66 million years ago. Now, I think it's important to point out that it's not easy to become a fossil. According to Dinosaurs of the Deep, the Earth is a well-trained decomposer. So for a body to become a fossil, it needs to be protected from decomposition. We have a, a type of rock called bentonite, and okay. bentonite is lithified volcanic ash. Uh, bentonite uh, basically is the old ash from these old, old volcanoes, okay. and they occur in these layers. Uh, now bentonite is used in a lot of cleaning products, and so it was mined in southwestern Manitoba from the 1930s to the 1980s. Okay. As uh, it's interlayered with the rocks that we find the fossils in. Okay. So you'll typically find a layer of bentonite, then a layer of rock that has the fossils in it, and then another layer of bentonite. Okay. So as they were mining out the bentonite, they were coming across these fossils. Now miners would sometimes keep the fossils, they'd sometimes destroy the fossils. Right. But um, it wasn't until the 1970s, like people were collecting previously, but it wasn't until the 1970s um, when two high school teachers said, we need to make a conscious effort to preserve as much of these as possible, as much of these specimens as possible. Right. Um, and so they started collecting these specimens that the, the miners were finding. Wow. Um, and so they'd be collecting them. Uh, in the 1980s, the uh, bentonite mines closed down. Okay. Um, and so we continued to search for fossils within those bentonite mine sites. Okay. So a lot of our, a lot of our sites are old mine sites. Oh, interesting. Um, and most of the, because they're on farmers' property. Right. Properties, and most of the farmers who are open to mining are still open right. to to us 
uh, to allow us to excavate for fossils on their land. Okay. Um, other times, uh, farmers will come up to us and say, hey, look, I've, I found these, these fossils on my property. Uh, can you come take a look? Uh, you know, um, so that's fantastic. Um, that's I'm always so looking cool. for new sites. Oh, I bet. Um, other times, we'll go out and we'll actively search for uh, a site. So we'll go on, we'll get aerial photographs, okay. aerial maps, um, and we'll, we'll look for what looks like exposures of rock so okay. we're, we're looking for a clearing in the forest or the field or whatever we're looking for uh what what looks uh like a a rock exposure and then we cross-reference that with previous uh geological records of, okay of uh known exposures uh and then we'll cross-reference that with okay what 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 do we typically find in this area, right? right? What is right. the typical rock we find? Is there anything close? Is, you know, do we know of any exposures that are close near, like, that are nearby, that right. kind of thing? Once we've done that, then we check to see who's living there. We ask them permission, and then we go check it out if they give us permission. I find it fascinating that we have fossils because of volcanic ash particles. Bentonite is a clay that is formed when volcanic ash settles in the water, creating layers as it mixes with minerals. There's no way we can pinpoint what volcano was erupting at the time, but it's estimated to have been located in the Rocky Mountain volcano chain. And that's not exactly close. Um, another favorite specimen of mine is actually a turtle specimen that we found uh, two years ago, and it's a, a turtle skull. Um, and the fascinating thing is that it was three-dimensionally preserved. So typically with skulls, we find them in pieces and we right. have to put them back together again. Uh, but that specimen, uh, all of the chambers in the skull were just infilled by uh, shale and like, by rock yeah. and were kept whole. So uh, basically it was just the entire skull was found in, in two pieces oh, and man. that's it. Um, and so the just the preservation was just fantastic. You can see yeah. these big, huge eye sockets. You can see these big nostrils. Uh, if you flip it upside down, you can see the palate, and you can see this really, really sharp beak. Right. Um, and you can see the internal uh, chamber, so you can see the brain chamber and everything oh, cool. like that. So you can see where the brain would have been and everything like that. Yeah. Unfortunately, that's the only part of the specimen we have. So we yeah. don't have the rest of the body, but we have the top of the skull, and it's just it's phenomenally preserved. But why are we here in Morden? I want to introduce you to Bruce. Uh, well, Bruce was a, uh, or is, um, the largest mosasaur that we have on display right. um, here at the C CFTC, and it's actually the largest specimen on display in the world oh, currently. Cool. And uh, Bruce is a mosasaur, a scientifically named Tylosaurus pembinensis. Okay. Uh, it is a marine reptile uh, that, uh, mosasaur is a type of marine reptile that lived in Manitoba around 80 to 83 million years ago. Victoria tells me that Bruce is about a 70% complete fossil, and he's huge. He's 13 meters long, which is twice as tall as a giraffe. Uh, we chose Bruce for the uh, statue mm -hmm. uh, because uh, it really Bruce uh, is one of our most is is our most famous okay. um, um, 
specimens. He, it's kind of known, or we're, you know, if people know us, people know us as the home of, of Bruce. Right. Um, so it is a very identifiable um, uh, part of who we are as an institution. Okay. Um, it, we also find that Bruce is a very important specimen scientifically. Okay. Um, um, and uh, it's a very, uh, a very nice specimen in general. So we chose Bruce um, for those two two main reasons. Okay. Uh, as well as the fact that it's a it's a very very large specimen. Yeah. And um, a lot of work has been done on Bruce. Uh, so a lot of research has been done. Okay. And papers have been published oh, really? on Bruce and, and using Bruce um, as a good comparison to other types of Moses or other other specimens. So. Um, for that reason, I think um, because of its scientific importance and because of the, the fact that it's important in our community, right? Um, I, I think it was a good choice for for the, the statue. Cool. Mm -hmm. And how do you know he's not like on the statue? He's like, was he kind of green? Like, is that is that just a guess at what he's gonna look like? Um. So I do know that there was a paper published a couple of years ago um, about the melanin um, in uh, in mosasaur skin pig in skin cells. Uh, melanin being the uh, the the substance that actually houses the pigment, so okay. that's the um, uh, that's the that's, that's the reason why it has a certain color. Right? Okay, um, and I do know that there was um, they were a bold to say with some certainty that they would be a, a bluey green color. Um, we don't have a lot of proof, right? Um, we don't have a lot of evidence. Um, I know of that one paper, um, but I can't think of any other paper off the top of my head. Okay. Um, so for the most part, um, but if we do look at modern day, uh, uh, modern day, very large modern day uh, marine animals. Yeah. They tend to be of a, I mean, there are exceptions, obviously. Right. Uh, but they tend to want to blend in right. with their surroundings. And that's the reason why uh, a lot of these uh, specimens are colored a greenish blue. Okay. Color um, seems to be the most reasonable um, right. um, interpretation. So, um, yeah, there is artistic license, obviously. Right. Um, with that, whether or not that's the exact shape. Right. Answer. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. An estimated guess, kind of. Yeah, a, a scientific yeah. interpretation. Who has watched the new Jurassic World movie? We get distracted, at least I do, by Chris Pratt, but who's the real star and hero of that movie? Watch it again. I think you'll find it's actually the Mosasaur. Yeah, I think there is. I think that I think ever since um, Jurassic Park, you have um, a lot of people really focusing in on dinosaurs. Right. Um, I think there's. I mean, I think there is um, because uh, a lot of uh, like dinosaurs are the ones in children's books mm -hmm. and, and and you know like they made children's movies out yeah. of them. Like it's. It's more you. You are more exposed to um, to dinosaurs when you're a child, mm -hmm. um, so it's a lot more familiar, um, which is uh, which is which is great. And dinosaurs are great, and I love yeah. them and everything like that. But I think there's a whole world 
you know, if you're just looking at dinosaurs, I think you're missing a whole whole other yeah. world of paleontology. Right. Um, and uh, I think personally that these these creatures are a little, even a little bit more mysterious than dinosaurs because not as much of work has been done. Right. And that's right. that's kind of addicting in paleontology. Right. right? That's, yeah. <laughs> that's we want to we want to like as paleontologists we want to um, find out more and, and and add to the general knowledge of, of paleontology and whatnot and and of the world in general. Um, and that's the addicting thing about paleontology, I think. Uh, yeah. And, uh, um, and who doesn't like a good sea monster? No, seriously. Right? I, yeah, no, I agree. <laughs> and there was a sea monster in the last Jurassic Park, so there's yes. going to be a comeback. Well, yeah, there is a mosasaur. It was, it a, was mos- a mosasaur, it right? It was a mosasaur, yeah. yeah. It okay. wasn't the same as Bruce. It was a different type. Okay. Um, they went with a, a different type of mosasaur. Um, uh, but, yeah, they they included a mosasaur, and we were, we got Super to, we, um, we were, advertising partners with them oh really so we got passes to the uh the screening okay and uh and the whole museum went so oh, all of our staff and a few of our volunteers yeah. came and so we were all sitting there and when the mosasaur yeah. came up and 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 we were literally cheering super excited and we're like that's us that's <laughs> us so like anytime we we're um acknowledged on a on a large yeah. scale we get super happy like we get very very uh we're very very enthusiastic about that yeah so we're, yeah it's best friend's like little nephew mm-hmm. he was learning about dinosaurs now yeah. and he's like i watched jurassic park yeah, and the water good. thing yeah. and i was like you know that one of those the largest one of those was found in manitoba he's like yeah. no way yeah yeah and it was a game changer and i was yeah, like your yeah. teacher's gonna tell you that yeah exactly right yeah no and and that's uh, that is the funny thing yeah and um uh like i know that like a lot of people uh, like a lot of paleontologists my age mm-hmm. um Cite uh, Jurassic Park, like the originals, as one of the reasons why they went into paleontology. Oh, so it's exciting to know that the next generation of, of, of paleontologists are getting inspired by yeah. this. Uh, this uh, and that includes uh, mosasaurs, because yeah. mosasaurs weren't included uh, in the Jurassic... I, be- I don't believe I don't they, were. they were. I don't think they were, But they weren't included in the first one, I know that much. Um, so it's, it's kind of cool to be included. In yeah. We all know that these animals became extinct a long time ago. I asked Victoria why. What happened to them? So uh, marine reptiles, or a lot of marine reptiles, suffered at the end of the uh, Mesozoic. Okay. Um, because marine reptiles, like I mentioned before, it's a group of animals. Um, mosasaurs being one of them. Uh, plesiosaurs, sea turtles, those type. Um, there was a lot more. Um, so for various reasons, each type of, or I should say this better, um, a lot of the marine reptiles were having trouble anyway. Okay. Like they were decreasing in numbers. Um, and then um, and then they became extinct at the end of the uh, Mesozoic era. Um, mosasaurs were a little bit different because they were actually becoming more uh, dominant. Oh, really? As time was going on. And then they became extinct. Okay. Um, so we know like plesiosaurs were the opposite. So plesiosaurs were decreasing in numbers uh, by the time the extinction occurred. Okay. Um, 
Mosasaurus, it was the opposite. They were actually getting weird. They were they were they were the dominant. Um, uh, at least here in Manitoba, they were pretty dominant um, um, back then. So um, obviously, the meteorite impact must right. have had some huge effect on them. Okay, but it wasn't just it was paleontology. Paleontologists will, will argue with me on this. Um, uh, other paleontologists will argue. Um, it depends on who you ask. Uh, it depends on which paleontologist you ask. But um, we'll squabble about what has the most what had the most effect okay. on on the population. Was it the volcanic eruptions that were also going on? Because there was a lot of volcanoes erupting during this time. Uh, that was upsetting the atmosphere. Right. Was it the? Was there something going on with the oceans? Was okay. The chemical pH going down or going up? Was it imbalanced? Was there a lack of oxygen in the water? Right. Was it the meteorite impact? Was it the the effect that the meteorite had afterwards right. on the food chain, on the right. on the weather, right? Mm-hmm. Um, on the climate. Um, you know. So there was a lot of different factors going on at the end of the Mesozoic that all kind of accumulated into uh, a lot of animals dying, a right. lot of a lot of different animals dying, and uh, Mosasaurus did not survive that. Uh, their cousins did, uh, snakes. Oh really? Yeah. That's uh, yeah. So I have a I have a, a cousin of Mosasaurus in my living room. <laughs> oh, that's so great. Um, so um, right. So uh, the so right. So. Mosasaurus didn't survive. Plesiosaurus didn't survive. Okay. Um, sea turtles did. Right. So we have some sea turtles today, right? Right. So they survived. Um, snakes survived. Crocodiles survived. Okay. Um, but yes, a lot of them. A lot of them died off. But a lot of other animals died off as well. Right. Almost all of the dinosaurs died off. Right. right. The exception being birds. Right. Birds. Right. Um, the um, you know. All of the pterosaurs, so all of the flying, right. what, what people would call flying dinosaurs, right. but they're not dinosaurs, uh, but f- flying pterosaurs, uh, all of them were, were killed, were, you know, um, became extinct. Um, yeah, just a, just a huge decrease in, in the diversity of life during wow. that time. So that's, yeah, that's, and uh, Mosasaurus were no exception, unfortunately. Well, fortunately for us. Okay, that's, okay, so is that mostly because, like, they're the, kind of the top of the food chain? Like, is that a big impact on them? Um, I, uh, it is, uh, so when you're sort of at the top of the food chain, um, it is kind of more of a snowball-y effect. Okay. You know what I mean? Like yeah. It, it's more because you're really dependent upon the All animals below yeah. you. Right. right? Um, especially if there is, um, and, and you do need um, a large, like if you're really large, you yeah. need a lot of food to sustain yourself. But it's not only about food. Um, you know, uh, it's also about, uh, you know, are you able to get, uh, to, to you know to to mate right and right. To, to pass on your genes right um you know if they uh if they nursed their youngs in a specific little alcove right right and that was gone. and that and that's gone 
then or or that type of of, right. of method is gone or no longer available then your your young puppy you can have as many babies as you like but they're not going to survive right um you know or you know uh, sometimes animals will eat one type of food when they're young and then will eat another type of food when they're older right um so uh, uh you know well what if that one type when, when they're young yeah you know you don't have enough food then and then the kids die off and then you can't right you can't keep on going like you your your genes die like your population dies right so there's a lot of you know and or what about migration right, right. what if they migrated um they exploited a certain habitat during the summer and then during the winter they exploited another well if your sea dried up um because it was getting colder right couldn't get down to your your other your summer home right <laughs> or your winter home um then you're stuck in an environment that you're not used to right in, in that might not be suitable and, for and, you and, and that you know might not be so good for you so there's right. a lot of different ways um uh an, an, a, a group can really suffer right and uh, a group or a population of animals can really suffer um the ones who survived are generally speaking the ones that can um, change and adapt or okay. can, um, the ones at least that aren't so dependent on whatever has changed. Right. 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 So, um, if, if let's say there's a change in salinity, let's say it gets saltier. Yeah. Right. For those animals who that doesn't really matter, then they're fine. It, they're fine. Right. But for the animals that, you know, a difference of, you know, five milligrams or whatever it is, um, that's a big change for them then right then they don't survive so right um if, for those who can adapt and, and that's why certain animals like sharks uh like certain fish they have survived for so long yeah you know because of that so like that's why they're called like uh, living fossils why is it important for us to study fossils that belong to a species so far into our past what advantage to humans does it have, besides great stories for children? Studying fossils help us, like, today, like in modern world. I love that you asked this question. <laughs> I, I love because uh, a lot of people, uh, including my family, yeah. uh, would always say, who cares? Why? Yeah. yeah why? These are cool. This is cool and everything, but why? Um, well, generally speaking, uh, we we learn about fossils and we we, we want to study fossils, um, not only because they're just really awesome, um, but it tells us more about the world that we live in. Okay. We're obviously not the first right. to live on this earth, right? Um, and we're not going to be the last. Um, hopefully. Um, <laughs> but uh, we learn about it because by, by we, we want to research these animals because by researching, we learn about a world that we interact with every day, but we only know a very, 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 very teeny tiny right. part of its history. Um, and I think it's important to know the history of the world, what the world has gone through, um, and to see patterns. Right. Um, and using those patterns to help us with the future, and okay. what, what's coming up. For instance, um, a, a colleague of mine is looking at uh, sharks, mm -hmm. and uh, I, I believe um, he, he's working on a project um, when it comes to like why sharks 
survived certain extinctions. Okay. And how they reacted to increasing sea temperatures. Okay. Uh, well, that's really important because our seawater is becoming more warm, right? right. We're getting warmer right. and warmer. So by looking at how sharks adapted to that in the past, right. we can estimate what's going to happen in the future. Okay. So we can say, okay, well, the sharks... They reacted by becoming, you know, they, they changed this about themselves or right. they changed that about themselves. So, um, you know, or you know, whatever it is. Um, so we can look at that and we can see, um, we can predict or okay. we can um, um, try and estimate what might happen to our population. Okay. Um, or for instance, okay, this is the temperature where we started to see a huge decrease right. in in the diversity in in the world. Mm -hmm. This is the this is the line kind yeah. of thing. Are we are we close to that line? Like what's right. happening? Right. Uh, or like coral reefs. Mm -hmm. Uh in the like people who study coral reefs, they'll look at ancient coral reefs to see um, what uh, what will kill off large coral okay. reefs, right? Okay. What in the past what has killed off these coral reefs? Right. Are we close to that now today? Okay. So um, that is important. Another really awesome uh, project um, uh, we can do is we can we can take um, um, it's kind of crazy. We can take certain attributes of certain animals and use them to our advantage. Okay. Um, so I'll give you an instance of um, my, or our uh, president uh, of the CFTC. Uh, he is studying um, uh, woolly mammoths and um, sea cows and, and whatnot. Uh, animals that can withstand very cold temperatures. Okay. And that's because of the oxygenation in their blood. So they, they oxygenate in a slightly different way. Okay. Uh, or in a, not slightly different way, but they, they have a very special way of, of doing this. Um, and that allows them to keep themselves quite warm. Okay. Um, uh, and allows them to withstand these cold temperatures. Okay. Um, now, that is useful for humans because uh, the way the oxygen goes through the body, you would require, um, see, I'm not very good at explaining it because it's not my project. Um, but anyway, regardless, um, that genetic trait that yeah. they have, that those animals have, um, is, is paleontologists are trying to isolate that, um, okay. th that genetic trait to see if we can't start using that for our own transplants, our own um, organ transplants. Interesting. So that the organs, because of the fact that the oxygen uh, is being transferred a little differently, it would allow the organ to live longer okay. because of the oxygen. Right. Um, and so that way, instead of having to ship a heart over 24 hours, right. we could wait a week. Okay, interesting. And think of how many more lives we could save with right. that. Right, so we wouldn't be like throwing so much away or whatever, right? Exactly, Based. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot, and and that's kind of the new frontier, I think, okay. with paleontology. Um, is crossing it into. Is, is, is kind of crossing it into. So there's a lot of importance, I think, uh, both both for the the world mm -hmm. and, and the earth and for us as humans. Wow. Um, but it, it's a little bit more hidden than certain other fields. Right. Yes.
Victoria took me on a tour after our interview, showing me the specimen she told me about, and it's amazing. The back room is lined with a huge floor-to-ceiling wooden shelving unit. It has countless little drawers that are filled with fossils. It's quite beautiful. Along the side are giant petrified pieces of wood. And then I'll show you the baby of the collection. Okay. This is the baby. This is our um, uh, mammoth tusk. Really? Yeah, which was found in Grunthal, Manitoba. That's so cool. Um, and this is basically ancient ivory. So this is 16,000 years old. Um, so that's um, pretty pretty young for us. This, this is that's so cool. we have mammoths here. Um, well, we have the, we have their. Um, it, it's found in glacial till. So glacial tills. We don't know if they were living in here, um, but we do know that we have their skeleton. So it might have been pushed up by okay. the by the the um, uh, by the glaciers. But okay. Uh, so this is mammoth hair, which Seriously? we got from, yeah, from Siberia. You can touch it if what? you want. So this is a little older. This is 60, yeah, this is 60,000 years old. Really? Yeah. Oh yeah. She let me touch 60, mammoth hair. 60, How cool wow. is that? This was found on another frozen mammoth. Wow. How many frozen mammoths have they found? Oof. I know at least three, I think. Um, so this one comes from a female, uh, a, uh, a mother, wow. um, that died and was frozen in the permafrost. So we got a little bit of that hair, That's which amazing. is uh, fantastic. Um, I tried so hard to act cool about the whole situation, but I believe I failed hard at this. So head to Morden. I'd love to see your pictures and for you to share your favorite part of the museum. Thanks for listening to Manitoba Landmarks. If you liked today's episode and want to learn more, then head to manitobalandmarks.com or find us on Facebook and Instagram at Manitoba Landmarks, where I post pictures, maps, and other fun visuals of these not-so-hidden gems. I'd love to hear from you. Do you have an interesting story about one of the places featured here? Or have one that should be on our list? Then send us a message on social media or email manitobalandmarks at gmail.com. Music for the show is by Manny Gosen. There are links to his Spotify page on the show website. Until next time, keep exploring.